PPR and professional drinker. Welcome to the first episode of the Guns, Gear, and Beer podcast. Technically not the first. We had one, but uh, technology ruined it. So this is 1.5. Tonight I'm joined by David Service of Danger Close Armament, a wizard of plastic frame melting. And once you have your frame stippled by Danger Close Armament, you can then put it in an outstanding Kydex ulcer from Lucas of t-rex arms kydex and after you have a cool gun in a cool holster you can post it on instagram and if you're lucky ben from black wolf ben from guns daily <laughs> and Drew from black wolf will repost it <laughs> <Little nothing. laughs> i don't i don't write this down okay i'm not that, that i'm not <laughs> i thought of it 45 seconds ago um <laughs> Uh, all right, how's everyone doing tonight? Good. All right, so Mr. Service, let's start with you. How did you get into making millions of dollars melting Glock pistols? Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't say millions of dollars. Uh, I'd, I'd be happy to make a few dollars. Um, <laughs> what's going on, guys? I'm uh, David. I'm the president and founder of uh, Danger Close Armament. Um, we're a small uh, custom gun shop. Uh, we specialize in polymer frame pistols, uh, mostly, you know, largest amount of guns that we do are Glocks, but we also do M&Ps and pretty much anything with plastic. Uh, we also build high-end AR-15s, and, um, you know, but those are definitely our, our specialty would be the pistols. Uh, um, we started back in 2012. I started when I was still in the, the Army. Um, I was just... It actually is funny. We started with M&P triggers. Uh, I bought an M&P, and I did not like the trigger at all. And uh, I was like, I could make this better. I'm a, I'm a pretty mechanical guy. So I started doing some research, and uh, I took it apart, and uh, I did a trigger job on it. And uh, I showed it off to the guys in my local gun shop, uh, a Quantico Tactical down there at Fort Hood. And they really liked it, and they all asked me to do trigger jobs on their uh, M&Ps. And uh, so that's kind of where it all started. And then uh, not too far or long after that I bought my first Glock which was a Glock 34 and uh I stippled it and it didn't come out too bad so uh kind of kind of progressed from there into something you know where we're at now where we're doing really high-end guns and you know we've we've done guns for NFL players and we're working on a gun right now for Drake um with Precision Syndicate um okay wow so you know we (laughs) you know and we're, we're uh you know, and I, we might talk about it a little later. And we have a contract with ADM. Can, uh, can you get him on the podcast? Uh, I, yeah, I wish. Uh, he he did call Precision Syndicate, <laughs> the guys over there, but uh, he didn't. I haven't talked to him. So, um, but yeah, so you know, it's it's been a crazy uh, a crazy road. We're still growing. Um, we're hoping we're hoping to have our complete uh, Glock pistols uh, being unveiled here in the next month or two. Uh, um, so we're that's kind of the direction that we're heading. But um. You know, just a little bit about us, but uh, yeah, it's been a been a crazy road and a lot of fun and a lot of heartache, but uh, we're working through it and uh, we're trying to trying to make it in this uh, in this industry. So, is Drake having you stipple a gold Glock frame, and what 100%. challenges are presented with melting gold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's machined out of a uh, 24 karat, you know, uh, solid uh, billet gold bar. Uh, <laughs> the hardest part about melting gold is the uh the, the low melting point it uh you know it just kind of turns into a big blob so uh, no i i'm just kidding but uh, it's it's funny the gun's really not anything crazy it's just our standard package so it's kind of funny but uh, it's cool to be a part of the project nonetheless so that is awesome I know I certainly wasn't that into stippling, and I'm like, eh, it's just expensive. You don't need that until you brought my uh, M&P back to life, because it was very dead. Yeah, your uh, your M&P was something else. This guy uh, sent us a uh, an M&P that had been dipped in multicam, and it was peeling off, and it just looked like crap. 
and uh, it we sounded so good it. on paper. Yeah, it did. Uh, we uh, I might bring a picture up of it on the monitor here, but yeah, we uh, we totally transformed that, and it came out really nice. It was the first two tone M and P we ever did, and uh, it was uh, definitely a fun project. So yeah, it turned out awesome. Do you Love have it, it there? I do not actually. It is um, not here. Slacking. Slacking. Sorry. <laughs> next next time I'll have I'll be sitting in a pile of guns like Ben is. There we go. All right, we've got a shield that's pretty similar to yours with the two tone. That's awesome. Oh, that's, that's nice. Sweet. Yeah, and this is one that we have for sale on our website, but uh I'll it's take cool. it. It's pretty similar. Yeah? No, I'm, no, I don't I don't do shields. No. <laughs> uh, oh. That's so below Lucas. It's a <laughs> stack of nothing. Is, that's not that's not a stock lower, is it? That's cerakoted, right? Yeah, so it's a it's a okay. it, we cerakoted after shaping it, and then we do the texture to get the two tone look. But uh, you know, it's it's all functional, and then we did a trigger job and put the uh, Apex uh, flat face trigger screw in here, and it's a nice little cherry package with a four pound trigger. So it's a sweet little gun. I might need to send my shield over for you to do that now. We can uh we can definitely hook you up. That's awesome. How about you, Lucas? How did you get into the world of Kydex? So uh, before I started my company, I worked for a media production company, and I did logistics and uh, did some stuff overseas. I worked a, a job in Africa, and then uh, I came back and decided I wanted to start my own company. I, I built a few items that went to eBay. Uh, those all sold very well. And it was basically just an experiment to see if I could actually make stuff and people would actually buy it. And then I decided that I wanted to launch a full-fledged company. And my intent when I started the company was I wanted it bigger than just me in the garage. Uh, so that was September of 2013. Uh, we now have 10 to 12 people here every week. I'm in the shop right now. This is where I work area. And um, it's, it's turned into a... Uh, a successful company. It's a full-time job for me and a, and a bunch of other people. Um, and uh, so that was uh, about two and a half years ago that I started the company. Um, and from there, we're now doing um, a lot of other projects. We make Kydex, for those of you that don't know, um, holsters and whatnot. Uh, I'll have some here. And uh, now we're getting into some other projects, and I'm an avid shooter. Uh, I shoot a thousand rounds a week right now um, on top of everything else. So, uh, so yeah, that's that. What's the weirdest thing you've ever been made, uh, been asked to make a Kydex sheet for? Well, uh, we've been asked to do submachine gun uh, thigh rig holsters. Uh, we had a company at the NRA convention last year uh, pull me over to their booth. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was. And they had an MP5 clone that they wanted a thigh rig for. And basically I said that it was going to be stupid and that we didn't have time to make it anyway. Um, <laughs> That's probably one of the weirder things we've been asked to do, but we pretty much don't do custom anymore. Uh, we just what we have on the website. If it's a, a unit or something and they need something specific like a shotgun retainer or something for breaching, we'll work with that unit. But if it's not on our website, we probably aren't going to make it. We're not really a custom holster company anymore. We have select products, and we just make those for a bunch of guns. So we don't do knife sheets. We don't do tomahawk sheets. We don't do uh, clips for anti-tank, uh, like law missiles. Uh, we don't do weird <laughs> stuff anymore. Um, it's better to stick with what you're good at instead of trying exactly. to do it all sometimes. Exactly. So we turn people away on custom stuff all the time, and that's actually one of the big problems in the holster world when guys are starting up. They don't say no enough, and they say yes, and then they spend all day on a project that pays 100 bucks. And that's ultimately what destroys a lot of um, early startup holster companies is they just don't say no enough. So Yeah, we learned from an early age that we aren't going to stipple pistols where the grip work would cost more than the gun itself. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, yeah. So no high away. points? Yeah, no high points. If you, I'm not going to stipple your Taurus. You know, there's, there's a couple exceptions you know, with the compacts and this and that, but it's like I'm – I, it has to be worth our time. We're a business at the end of the day. As much as I would love to make money off of everybody, we have to be smart and pick and choose and make business decisions. Yeah. Um, you know about things that are going to make us money. You know, we, you know, building a you know a three or four thousand dollar AR is going to make us a lot more money uh, than building a, a fifteen hundred dollar AR, which is using valuable time from other stuff that we make. 
this much. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a key thing for being a smart yeah. business. I had a friend get asked uh, to make multiple Cadex holsters for some rubber dildos. <laughs> multiple <laughs> different colors. He said no for some reason. I thought it sounded like an easy job in and out, but... Oh, boy. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> have you had... Lucas, have you had anybody get uh, upset that you won't, you know, make any custom stuff for them or anything like that, or you won't do any variations of your, of your products? Yes! So, a dude wrote to us a while back, and he was like, I need a holster for my XDM with a red dot on it. And I was like, okay, that's that's easy, as long as you have the red dot mounted on the slide. Uh, long story short, he had a crazy competition mount that put the red dot about two inches above the slide. And I just said, sorry, dude, we can't make that. And he wrote a couple emails, uh, quoted us on posts from like a year ago, saying, look, you say that you make unconventional gear. You have to make this for me. It's your duty, essentially. <laughs> and I was like, sir, that would cost about $2,000 to make a holster for that gun. I would have to get that gun from you. It'd be really hard to make a holster for. At that point, it's not worth the money. And I basically told him that that particular pistol build wasn't uh, – he, he could have built something a little bit more effective and gave him some recommendations. I uh, never heard from him again, and that's okay uh, because uh, we don't build weird holsters for XDMs with Seymours uh, and stuff mounted up two inches too tall above the slide. It was it was it was probably the cra one of the craziest pistol builds I've ever seen, with the exception of the high point with the aim point T1 on it. But that was actually legit when I saw that. Wow. <laughs> Your first mistake yeah. was buying an XDM. So. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that should have been your first clues. Like, who's gonna dump all that money into an yeah. XD? I mean, come on. And even KCU Sesabo found out that Glocks don't run in open class. Uh, they're just not meant to be open guns. You know, they <laughs> at that. that. I'm gonna fix that. So there. <laughs> oh yeah, you got a plan for that? I got With a plan. solid gold lower. Uh, that so, would melt uh, you know, with the round count KCU. I do. <laughs> KC had quite the uh, setup there from Zev with the you know the Trijicon SRS on there and the, the comp and everything like that. But that's when he left uh, Team Glock. Was he was just having uh, reliability issues with the Glock. It's just not meant. Just this the guns aren't built to the tolerance to to run like that. You yeah. know, They're, you can only extract so much performance out of uh, out of like a duty style gun. You know, yeah. uh, that's that's why 2011s and. You know, uh, CZs are, are running so well as they're you know they're they're built to be tighter, so they yeah. can do crazier stuff. Shane Coley, um, I, I went and ate dinner with uh, Team Glock at the NRA convention. I was able to talk to Shane uh, about some of his experience shooting Glock because he went from tw the 2011 platform shooting with AMU, and uh, he basically says it, it can compete fine against everyone else. You just have to work twice as hard. Yep. Um, so he just he took Area One. Um, he won that in his division. Um, he was just—he just shot. I actually saw him lose live. Um, the shoot-off, the Infinity Open shoot-off in Texas, that was earlier this afternoon. He did lose there, um, but he is actually going and winning, t taking matches with a Glock 35, I think it is. Um, but yeah, yeah we talked about—we talked fun. about open division some. Uh, I talked to Tori about open division some, and my thought basically is taking a pistol like this, I know this is going to sound weird, guys, taking a pistol like this, running a compensator, uh, not running a T1, running a RMR slide-mounted, and uh, I think you could perform decently well provided you had a good trigger, a good compensator, and a good slide-mounted red dot. And you could perform fine 11 with a two-pound trigger uh, that weighs a lot more, that takes that recoil better. Um, but I think if you put in enough work, an open division Glock built like a duty open Glock um, could actually work. But then again, I have no idea. I'm not a USPSA Grandmaster, but that's something I'd like to play with in the future. You so. too can be a professional shooter for the low, low price of $3,000. Oh, come on. It wouldn't be that expensive. Like this right here is only like uh, – yeah, never mind. <laughs> it's like it's like eighteen or seventeen, something like that. Well, when I started out in competition for steel challenges, I mean, I was running Glock nineteen, so that was. Well, and that's the thing is, like Glock is, I think Glock is super, you know, uh, 
competitive in production and limited and yeah. you know those classes because it's a great platform. But when you're just trying to extract the absolute utmost yeah. performance out of the platform, it's just it's quite a stretch. And uh, you know, it's nothing against Glocks. The Glocks do what they're meant to do, you know, very, very, very well. But uh, when you're just trying to take them into something they're not, it's you know it pushes the envelope of that platform. And you know it's cool to see people being able to do it. But like you know, if Shane said that it, when they have to work twice as hard, then you know what? It, what if a yeah. shooter works twice as hard on a platform where it's you know it's easier? And then you know how are they going to yeah. do? So I don't know. I may get a 2011 this year, May, yeah. just to see how it compares or how. Well, I can shoot a 2011 versus a Glock 19. Because I literally, the last match I went to, this is the gun I shot. Okay, this is my concealed carry Glock 19. It's got Ameriglow sights. It's got a good trigger. Um, I placed 10 out of 40, I think. And basically, I want to build a Glock 19. This is when where you come in, Dave, or some other cool company. Build a Glock 19 for limited 10 and shoot that in some matches against everyone shooting 2011s. So that's what I want to do. Yeah. Would you get the DVC Limited? Uh, yes, I would get one of those because I get a deal on them. Hey, hey, David. Yes. How do you do your borders? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. With, it's always with my hand. With with my hands. <laughs> Good answer. You just carve it out with your fingernail. Yeah, the, I mean, the secret isn't even that secret anymore, but it's still just the amount of time that's gone into perfecting it, and in my opinion, not even perfected yet, but, you know, and just to making it clean enough to, to look good and still be functional and this and that is ridiculous the amount of time that it's taken. But uh, um, there's been a lot of companies pop up in the last year that have, you know, been doing it very well from the get-go, and, you know, it must be a nice luxury to have figured it out right away because it definitely took me a couple of years to figure out, not not a few months. So uh, I wish that it's something that come right away and whatnot, but it wasn't. So um, are you gonna pull a Mossberg and just sue everyone? Uh, no. But <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of lawsuits, agencies. Speaking of lawsuits, agencies apparently. Or not necessarily a lawsuit, but agencies trying to patent that accelerator ledge or whatever they call it on their pistols. Ooh, wow! Which to me is ridiculous because it's a you know it's a cut that you're making with well I guess they're making it with a mill, but you know we're making it with a Dremel into a piece of you know a plastic frame. I don't I don't see how that's well. And see patent, the, the the principle of the accelerator cut is the exact same thing people have been doing for about 20 years or whatever, 15 years. So, yeah, it's not an original design. It's a it's right. a freaking gas pedal that has been cut into the. They act like they're the first freaking people to do that shit, and people have been doing that for on Glocks for forever. So, yeah. you know, not no knock to them, and I understand how they've marketed it, and you know they've definitely been the most successful company to market, you know, a, a in my opinion, a fairly ineffective cut into a into a frame, uh, so well, but I the fact that they're gonna patent it so nobody else can freaking do it is going to be ridiculous. I think that's stupid as shit. So now you just need to patent five other obligatory things. That just yeah, I'm going to patent our pattern that we developed and all these other companies have ripped off, you know, and we, our thumb ledge looks cooler than theirs. Fuck, we'll patent ours. I'm pardon my language, but... Ours is cooler than theirs. <coughs> so yeah. I'm going to start ben. patenting letters in the alphabet. Ben, in one sentence, how do you become internet famous? Um, I'm quality quality content um, and uh, consistency. High quality content and consistency. That was surprisingly spot on. Yeah. Yeah. He gets asked a lot. (laughs) Well, there's there's no secret to it. Um, If you do something long enough, so, at what point did you realize that Guns Daily had potential to be big and more than just mm. a hobby? That's a good question. I know I know when I started making money off it, I was like, oh boy, like, this, this could actually be a thing, and I didn't actually expect it to be ever become a full-time job. Um, but I think it was... I think it was around 300,000 followers when I first started making my first 
dollars off the account. Um, yeah, so I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like nowadays with all these other pages who are just uh, using them as money makers from like 50k plus. I was I was uh, when I started out, I wasn't in it for the money. I mean, I'm still not in it for the money. If I if I didn't make a dime off a page, I'd probably continue posting. But uh, um, yeah, three hundred thousand. I, I realized there was a real potential, a marketing potential in the platform and in this firearms industry. And um, over the past three years, we've really seen like this this whole sense of community and and this idea that the firearms industry is becoming more mainstream. I think because of platforms like Instagram, it's crazy. Um, mm -hmm. And with with stuff like that, like people like me and, and other industry professionals, like the folks in this call, can can make a living off it. And it's kind of insane to think about. <laughs> what about you, Jordan? And Jordan, you knew Ben long before you were both titans of social media. Nope, I actually met him through social media. Mm -hmm. um, that's oh. how. I Black Wolf. I was. I thought I had a thousand followers, and I was like, "Hey, dude, I got a cool photo. Would you mind sharing it?" And then that's kind of how we uh, we had our little ties, and then it just took off from there. And then probably I don't know what do you think. Six, seven months later, we actually met in person. That was kind of weird, but um, I think it was it was probably sooner than that. We met. I don't know. It was weird. Like I don't know what we were thinking when we met up. Like. Why? Why was I gonna meet this weird, weird guy? I was ready to kill him. But that's you know, weird. I was like, what, "This is this is gonna be like a Craigslist killing," and I'm gonna regret this real quickly. But um, no, it, it's crazy. Like some of my best, well, the majority of my my closest friends now I've met through the industry and through Instagram itself. So, um, in that aspect alone, it's kind of insane. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a different world we live in. That's for sure. So, when are you releasing your book, How to Be Internet Famous? <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, you uh, probably make you probably make more money than I do. I want to get in on this. <laughs> uh, I'll let you know. I don't know. Once I learn how to write. <laughs> <laughs> That's what ghostwriters are there for. Yeah, there you go. Uh, um, not, no books in the near future, though. No, not yet. I'm just still trying to grind. It's a daily grind. There's no big secret to how you get internet fame. Well, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, yeah, there's a few things I guess you do to get internet famous, but not in the aspect I'm dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> you're not so, gonna release the sex tape, is that? That's what that first meeting between Ben and Jordan really was. Yeah, yeah. They actually oh, up on it, may, it may or may not already be on the internet. You just gotta find it, you know. So, um, <laughs> so that's, that's a whole other story. Wow, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sure each of us could write a book on is dealing with uh, ridiculous drama and garbage on the internet, especially social yeah. media. Yeah, everyone. That's like well, especially like this industry. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, which is really ironic. If I might go on a real quick tangent, that the one Please community, do. the one community that should probably stick together the most, tries to tear mm -hmm. each other apart from the inside out, um, the most. So weird, I, interesting. I thought. I have a comment though, and this is interesting. Um, so there was a guy who went after me a while back, and. Uh, some, some pretty pretty hot stuff, and uh, yes, long story... we talked about that in our last show. <laughs> no, 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 no. This this is interesting. So someone looked into him for me and found out he lived in England, and he was just this young kid in England stirring the pot in the gun industry uh, here in America. So while the industry does have a tendency of eating its own, there are people on the outside who do try to destroy us from the inside. Um, and I, I believe that's what that situation was because uh, he was in England, and from what it appeared, he was just a teenager and wasn't military, wasn't former military, uh, but he was stirring the pot from outside the industry. So that's just a point I'd like to make. Obviously, the industry does eat its own, um, but there are people on the outside 
that do that as well, especially anti-gun groups. They like doing that. So was that the uh, help save the gun industry guy? It was the other guy. <laughs> the other one. Yeah. That was yeah, good we, time. We did yeah. talk about that in one of our shows and how you know corrosive that was and it was toxic. So yeah, yeah, that could be a whole show right It doesn't there. do any. It doesn't do any good. There's no good that comes of it. Even exposing someone, it's still good. Like benefit. There's no advantage um, doing that or bad talking someone publicly. It's just, it's nothing but waste and damage and problems for yourself if you're the one doing it. So, who here is the best shooter? At what? Wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's the Everything. problem. Trying to play against each other or something? He's trying to destroy us from the outside in. Yeah, exactly. Good job, man. Yeah, that. <laughs> Just trying to keep things rolling. Yeah. I think Jordan is going to be way better still challenged than I will be, that's for sure. He smoked me at the NRA convention. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Jordan's Mr. Speedy Pants. Speedy Pants. And then concealment, he's got it. At least in this call. <laughs> can can you conceal your fully loaded uh, pistol, Lucas, with all the toys? Dude, this one? This yeah. One? Yeah. And uh, I go small at the back, and I just just right up the kind of it, it, <laughs> it, it, it. Wow. There we go. I'm impressed. That that nice. works. I mean, sitting <laughs> sitting down, it kind of kind of hits the suppressor a little bit, but yeah, it works. <laughs> 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 the suppressor is uncomfortable when I sit down. <laughs> now, I, I will say there's a very cool suppressor coming out soon that's only three inches long, and um, that will be conceal carryable. Who's making this? So uh, I can't oh. say. Okay. Sorry. But it's going to be cool. He's making it. That's why I won't say. Uh, <laughs> hey, maybe someday. Maybe someday we'll do that. <laughs> There's a good question in chat over here, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, Falcon Gaming asks, what do you think about non-standard AR calibers such as 458 SOCOM and 338 uh, Spectre? And like 6.8 SPC and they're really cool like and 300 Black I think they're expensive, and unless you are independently wealthy, they are not probably worthwhile to get into, um, particularly 458 SOCOM. I think each round is like, I want to say at least $2 for 458 SOCOM or more. Um, it's about as much as 50 So, uh, yeah, they're expensive. Um, but I think a lot of them are cool. 300 Blackout is obviously an, ex an extremely effective caliber. I wish it was less expensive. Um, good defensive 300 blackout, still about a dollar around. So about as much as 308. It's slowly um, becoming more and more mainstream. Yeah, it's getting there. I, I think if if it was more common, I would use it, um, and a lot of other people would use it. It's just it's it's still getting there. It's going to be a few years before it's more common and more available and more uh, general uh, generally accepted. So, but you know. It's also better suppressed than 223, obviously. Would, yeah. that's, that's a good point. I think as suppressors become more and more popular, 300 Blackout will follow suit. Because um, yes. the past few months, like suppressors have blown up. Like They've become not mainstream, but very, very much of a talking point and a focal point for us in the industry and even outside the industry. Like I saw a local, local newspaper article about suppressors, which is like insane to think about. So... Um, with the with the rise of suppressors, the trend of blackout will definitely follow. So basically, Ben is the only person who can afford shooting 458. So well, he's right? he's internet famous, so of course he can. <laughs> see, obviously, all internet. If you have over, see, here's here's the secret. If you have over 500,000 followers on any platform, you're an instant millionaire. Okay, so um, by that what logic, yeah, yeah, I like that. By that logic. Since I have, oh, I have uh, three times 500,000. Two, two. I'm, I'm, wow, okay, that was loud. I'm obviously a uh, $3 million heir. 
three millionaire dollar, right? Right? Doesn't that make I mean, sense? That makes you sense. You don't have enough money to be able to figure out what you're supposed to be saying right now. <laughs> See, I, I can't write and I also can't speak. So, uh, how, is there like a ghost speaker too I can use? We also yes. can't see you, so... Get Morgan Freeman and just give him a script. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's anti-gun, though, so... Um. <laughs> Anyone will change their mind with enough money. Uh, <laughs> the Tactical right. Civilian asked, Who are the best firearms instructors and who have you trained with? I've really only trained with two. It's only been within the last year that I've gotten into taking classes. Uh, but Ronin Tactics is my favorite. Two is a really he's cool good. guy. And... He's one of the few instructors that when he actually tells you this is how you do it, it's from years and years of real-life experience. There's a lot of tactical instructors out there that have very little real-world experience, and if I'm being taught how to use the weapon, I think that that's important for the most part. Right. I mean, Particularly room clearing and stuff. Yeah. Tactics. I mean, that cool. depends, on, depends on what you're trying to learn. Like if, yes, that yeah. depends. There's a lot of factors that go yes. in there. So let me just reframe like, that. CQB classes, like what I took, should be taught by those who know <laughs> CQB. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's a, I he's know that a was a, uh, a big uh, thing with your friend Lucas uh, T-Rex, or T-Rex, True, True Exodus. Exodus. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Here's, um, the, th here's yeah. the thing, though. So uh, most of the people that hate on him have never taken a class from him. They have no idea even what he's teaching. So he had people saying that he's teaching, like, Mount high threat dynamic forced entry classes and they just oh, wow. didn't know what they were talking about he teaches one class over and over to me it's boring i've been to like three of them um it's uh an appendix care it's a concealed carry <laughs> fundamentals class and then he has another one that's close for tension um it's just super simple you know concealment stuff and he does it very well and that's what he sticks with um there's other instructors very like well. Like Dom Rosso, um, I talked to him a little while ago, and he said that he's just going to focus on combatives because there's not a lot of people doing combatives. He can teach firearms, but he wants to specialize in combatives. Um, you know, there are some guys who just specialize in one thing, and they do that, and that's what they do. And there's some instructors that go and want to teach everything, and, hey, if they want to do that, cool. But um, I, I believe some of the best fundamentals shooting classes have actually come from people in the civilian world mm -hmm. um, who are not necessarily – military or law enforcement because they don't have any baggage that they came out with from either of those fields. They can approach both fields and look at it with an open mind and then go from there. Um, uh, who is it? Accuracy? Accuracy, for, uh, shoot, Accuracy first with uh, yeah. Todd Hotnett. Yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's not former military or law enforcement. At least that's... But he that's, teaches the military exactly. and law enforcement. Yeah, and I, like... I totally agree with you, and I, I've said the same thing as, like, you know, and obviously I, I'm an NRA certified pistol instructor. That doesn't mean shit, you know. But, no, uh, it does on the know. internet. Yeah, but uh, you don't have to – if you're a good shooter, you're a good shooter. You don't have – you're not teaching yeah. tactics. If you're teaching weapons manipulation or, or weapons handling mm -hmm. fundamentals, you don't have to have any law enforcement or military background mm -hmm. to teach that well. Are some – yeah. Is having real world experience like you know helpful? Sure. There's there's times that when you were put into a stressful situation in the military or or law enforcement, you know if you've been in a gunfight or whatever, that you know having that might help add something to your class. But there is many military shooters. You know we have clientele that are military that do not shoot well. They the military you know teaches the the especially with handguns. You know with rifles yeah. are definitely more. You know, they're much better rifle shooters than they are handgun shooters. But when I qualified expert on the M9, but I had been shooting pistols outside the military, like 500 rounds a month on my own, and which for me was a lot. But compared to everybody else, that you know, was a, a lot. Like, they never shot at all, and they just handed me a, the M9. They didn't tell me how to do anything with it. And they were like, go to the range and qualify. And I out-qualified everybody in my company. And I was assigned to a tank company, so that was their primary sidearm, like, for the most part, or primary weapon, like, that they carried. Uh, and so wow, it was pretty you didn't sad. have MP5s? No, and, they uh, don't have any. Gunner seat? No, there's no submachine guns in the... They carry M4s, like, in, uh, like, the Bradleys, like, in our Brads, we had our M4s, but I don't know in the tanks what about if they laser have their M4s or not. No. But um, the level—I'm just saying—the level of pistol training in the military, like at the at the regular level, is very low. 
Um, you know, obviously with the more specialized forces that, you, you know, and the, they have, you know, better training, but uh, um, it's a tertiary weapon system, as was said in a, in a Mad Cool Dynamics uh, video a few years ago, and uh, um, it's it's definitely true, so. Yeah. Um, you can't really lump all instruct all instructors as just an instructor. There's lots you know, of different fields and lots of different applications for each one. Absolutely, and a lot of people get it confused. They think that you know, instructing is teaching other people how to clear their their houses all the time. No, they're just teaching you how to use utilize your weapon to, on on a target. They're not teaching you tactics. Tactics classes are much different. Like we, uh, I don't have you taken a Rockwell class? So, um, Derek, they were in Colorado yeah. at Circle the Wagons a couple of years ago, and um, I miss Circle the Wagons. Oh, they just did a quick refresher and like on CQB tactics, which was fun and. Everybody had to wear body armor, and you know it was a it was a fun, um, just kind of it wasn't supposed to be anything. It was just a couple hours, and and that was it. But uh, you know they were specific. Like this is a a tactics class. This is not a weapons handling class. You know, and um, people people confuse these non LE qualified or military qualified instructors. Like, well, they're teaching yeah. tactics. No, they're teaching how to punch holes in paper as best as you can. You know, and to, to draw safely and and utilize your your fire. That's all they're teaching you. They're not teaching you how to how to stack up with your buddies and clear houses and shit like that. So. But I do have a class which is a low light, silent, stealth, suppressed class. An assassin class? Is that what you're trying to say? You're trying to teach an assassin class? You you need to no be, <laughs> be quiet. Don't say don't say anything. Uh, I put that on my resume. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to apply for this job. I have a, one qualifier. I've taken an assassin class. Uh, what's that? Oh, we run around with the suppressor for six hours. We worked with uh, Walter PPKs and uh, wire that came out of your watch. And gloves. Yeah, they, they actually teach us That's where on, those, on the security cameras to aim to instantly turn them off when we shoot them. So, um... uh, and surprisingly, also how to pick classy drinks at parties. Yes. Turns out if you pick a Coors Light at some international espionage party, they're going to peg you as not an assassin. <laughs> What's wrong with Colorado Kool-Aid? <laughs> That's not my favorite me. beer. All right, Lucas, what were you saying? You were saying something about assassin classes. So let's... <laughs> no, I'm done. David, as soon as you call, as soon as you labeled it that, I'm done. Like, let's. Oh, come on, you can't. <laughs> you know that's what Hollywood's gonna label it as in an assassin class. The silence. Hey, then I'll get all the actors wanting to come take it and stuff, and directors yeah. will send people to it, so I'll get to train like Tom Cruise for the next Mission Impossible, and oh yeah, it'd be awesome. Well, people are like, like, I'm super famous on Instagram. And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> All the actors are going to be disappointed a lot. It's a lot quieter in post-editing. Why is it so loud in real life? Well, it's because a fucking 9mm round still fucking breaks a sonic barrier unless you're shooting 147 grain, you know? Yeah, I just have 115 here, so this isn't <laughs> going to be super quiet. Yeah, not at all. I know I was disappointed the first time I shot a suppressor on a 5.56. I'm like, oh, sweet suppressor, it's so cool. I'm like, ow, they're loud. <laughs> it's funny when you get these guys with their suppressed SBRs. Like, we're building one right now behind us for a customer. SBRs are loud. And they're fucking loud suppressed, even with the can. Like, period. They're loud. Is he about to shoot? He is not. Yeah, I think he's about to shoot it. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> At least you put on iPro. Yeah. Right. Safety All first. Right, you were saying? How many how many stacks of, how many stacks of kayaks did you uh stacked over there to shoot in there? Plenty. What kind of bullcrap do you use over there? Welcome yeah. to the Guns Gear and Beer Podcast, yeah, was, the only was... podcast which actually includes live firing. <laughs> hey, okay. I... I'll shoot in my shop. I don't have a bullet trap, but we hey, we are a class seven or an O2 manufacturer, so we we can shoot in here. <laughs> I don't have a bullet trap. I need that window. Did you hear that? That was still loud. You see all those browns flying out? It was crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, so my I have a back door right here. Our shop is in the deep country, 
uh, where we can shoot. We're not in city limits, thankfully. So I can just shoot right out that door and into the woods where there may or may not have been animals. Maybe well, there aren't any more. Animals. That was like... So when I, I actually do this pretty often. I'll be up here working, and then I'll just slay leaves out the door. I know that would greatly reduce my uh, efficient work if I yeah. could just fire guns out of my workspace. Sonic could be going way down. What do you do if an employee's smoking out the back door and you don't see him? <laughs> you shoot him in the leg. Well, they're going to smoke out the front door, but thankfully, yeah, none of them smoke. But they, they're kind of concerned sometimes. The first day I brought my suppressor up here, a couple of them were a little concerned. Uh, I are you employing gun people or are they just like – they're just all gun people. people that want a job. No, oh, I, have, okay. I, have I, two, say... I have two pacifists and a uh, anti-gun. Yeah, I've got some. No, just kidding. Yeah, they're all gun. <laughs> they're all they're all gun people. They all carry we guns. Have, we have a bunch of uh, well, nine-year-old Chinese kids over here uh, sniffing our guns. I mean, <laughs> they don't even know what they are. We're we giving them red bulls and they just keep sniffling. Twenty-first never stops. No, no, we're the ones getting all the brain cancer, not them. <laughs> That Cerakote he uses is also lead-based. <laughs> I wonder how many people saw that. They probably think it's unsafe. They probably think I just uh, shot, like, a part of my shop. <laughs> it's my shop, Mom. I can do what I want. I need to post a video on Instagram because I can shoot out that door, this door, I can't shoot out that door or that door, but I could shoot like a transition drill through that door and then through this door in the shop. Like, you can have a legit desk pop. Yeah, desk pop. I just did one. I just did like nine of them. No, you got to do it straight up. Uh, well, <laughs> this is a new ceiling. Yeah, so that's not beer podcast. That's all right. The first you know how easy it is to pack a nine millimeter hole? Like uh, nine millimeter hole so small. You I don't know because really I've never done it. So. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this first episode, Desk Pop. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How did it get to you? Stop. I'm going to punch my dog in the well, wiener if it doesn't start crying. Stop crying. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, there's us. It's a, it's a, uh, I was just kidding. It's a female dog. It doesn't have a wiener. I can't punch it in the wiener. <laughs> oh. Well, people oh, can also. That's not going into final production. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's, that was bad. Uh, and funny. The tactical civilian asked RMR 06 versus 07, which oh. is better. Uh, oh, um, so I. Okay. The, the 07 is 6.5 MOA, the 06 is 3 and a quarter. I prefer the 06, and the reason being is um, a small dot, in my opinion, you can find just as fast as a big dot with training. Emphasis <laughs> on with training. And it's now, a, more the refined, 07, a more refined point, too. So. Exactly. See, if you have a 6 or a 9 MOA dot, and you put that on a target at 50 yards, your room for error uh, is not great. Whereas if you use a smaller MOA dot, it's awesome. Like, for example, this... Aim point is the two MOA dot. I take this out to 50 yards all the time. If I were to shoot uh, a Seymour that's like 11 MOA and put that on a on a 50 yard target, there's a lot more room for error. So in my opinion, smaller MOA is better. Uh, two is I would like to try a one MOA dot, the RMR whatever model it is. But the RMO6 is uh, nine. I believe it's the nine that just came. Yeah, out. it's like never in stock. Um, some so people are either buying it or they don't make very many. Um, I don't think I they've made very many, but people are putting them on the rifles. I think is what they're doing, or submachine guns. I don't think they're putting them on uh, pistols very much. I know. So. Yeah, my, my, and when uh, you test the accuracy actually. of the RMR, is it at the range or is it from your desk? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> At this door or that door? <laughs> My, I would play doubles advocate uh, for the uh, for the larger dot. Even though I I've always shot the 3.5, is that most people are never going to shoot a pistol uh, past 25 yards. I think the right. argument there is that it's going to be much faster to pick up a a larger dot at a pistol shooting you know engagement distance. Um, 
I didn't have a problem transitioning to using RMRs. To me, I found that I just had to punch out and focus, do a target focus instead of a, a sight focus. I think that was the biggest uh, problem that a lot of people have is they're still trying to do a front sight focus and yeah. they're looking for the dot to come into view. And all I did was look at the target and punch out my gun. And as long as I had a nice draw that was consistent, the dot would be there every time. And uh, I practiced that when I first got my RMR set up a few years ago was just keeping my eyes closed and I'd punch out, open my eyes, and the dot would be right there. I knew I was drawing consistently. Um, but uh, I, I, I can shoot very fast with the 3.5. I agree. I, I've never shot the larger one. I'd be curious to see how much faster uh, I'd be at close distances with that. But I do like the fact that you have a more refined aiming point. I've shot my RMR pistols out to 100 yards, and, like, it's a challenge with the dot. It's easier for me to shoot irons at that distance, um, even with a 3.5. But uh, uh, I don't I don't mind it, um, the 3.5. It was actually kind of funny. I was, I was at an event in Arizona, and Suarez International, I assume you guys know who they are, but they were one of the first companies to really promote red dots on pistols and then provide a solution, a slide already cut for RMRs. Uh, they still believe a bigger dot is better, and I was there talking to them, and I was like, okay, I will take your your triangle reticle 12 MOA dot, and let's go back to 50 yards, uh, or it was like 70, something like that. Um, shot a C-zone steel. Um, my accuracy was not amazing. I hit it, but it, there were misses, and then I pulled out my personal gun that was three and a quarter MOA, and uh, it was spot on, and I was just like... And it was the same speed. I was shooting the same speed. Uh, I wasn't having to take extra time to find the dot or anything. And I basically talked to them and was like, I think a smaller dot is more effective for a lot of reasons. And I basically demonstrated it there using – It's more versatile. I think it's more versatile. Yeah. But it's, again, they would probably caveat like you're not supposed to be shooting your pistol like ever. Like there's never a time in self-defense that you're going to get away shooting your pistol at somebody you know, that far and like <laughs> – in my opinion. Yeah. But, uh, okay. It's it's true. You're shooting them from your desk. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever. Okay. So <laughs> I'll make a point though. Uh, do you remember the shooting in Paris um, when the guys stormed the uh, cartoonist place? There were iPhone videos from the rooftop of the terrorists yes. running through the streets, and so they were probably about 40 yards away. So I use that as an example. Like, say you're a dude up on that roof. You're not. It's not your situation you're involved in, but you can tell these are bad guys. You're up 40 yards or whatever. If you had an armored pistol or something, you could do some damage and like do some good. Yeah, you but could. I in most states, you're going to be a legal liability for taking that. Like if your life wasn't in, because they weren't shooting at those guys on the roof. You know the. I get anyway. They were protecting. Yeah, I would too. Like they were, <laughs> you know, if they were protecting the police down there. But but it's just in yeah. America. Like I'm not saying that that situation hasn't happened. There was a situation in Texas where this guy was shooting at cops from his house. And from behind tree trunks, he had some big trees in his house, and he was shooting at cops, and he was a shootout, and his neighbor walks out because of the gunfire, sees the guy, and shoots the dude from, like, 200 yards with this 44 Magnum, wow. and and <laughs> it was legal status. because he was, like, protecting, you know, I don't know what, but they, he didn't go to jail, and, and he, he smoked yeah. this guy from far away, and, and they they were like, hey, it's fine, like, we, we appreciate the help, you know, and it was yeah. good to go, but... Typically, God legally, it's not a good idea in self-defense to be shooting people that far. In a military standpoint, you know, if that's your primary weapon yeah. or you're shooting, you know, you're shooting suppressed and you need to take somebody out and quietly and you wanted to shoot further, then I definitely agree the smaller dot is more yeah. versatile in that regard. But for most people, you know, I don't see that necessarily being the truth. But it, it, sure yeah. is fun at, it sure is fun to ring steel with a pistol at 100 yards. Yeah, six is fine, um, but getting like a twelve or a nine That's is too just big. big. I mean, even at like even even at close screen. distances, it covers up a huge amount of the target. Yeah. you know. So I'd say yeah. go with either, but the RMO six is the most popular. It's pretty much almost always sold out, and for good reason. It's the one that everyone's choosing. It's what the guys who are using it in the military. It's the one that most of them are using, um, and we make holsters for some of those people. So. That's how we know. That's Jordan, the video you posted the other day of you shooting that clay out of the air was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was only, you know, 60, uh, it was 60 tries. Yeah, but who do you think was taking the video? And Mr. Ben's over here like, come on, come on, hit it already. <laughs> the unbroken clay sitting at the bottom of that pond? Yeah, yeah that was a lot there. 
You'll get there, man. You'll get there. Yeah, one day you can just case you, Sozobo. Toss up two on your own and out of the air. Yeah, I've only seen uh, KC be able to do that. I haven't seen anyone else. So. Uh, Shane? No, Shane, well, uh, Shane did them, but I don't it. think it was. He did too? I think KC's, I... yeah, he posted one recently, but I think uh, KC's the best, in my opinion, the far that, you know, so far that I've seen. Um, he was using an open gun too. Uh, Shane wasn't. He was using irons. Oh. Really? Oh, well, that's impressive. Still, I mean, yeah, KC rocks. They all rock. They're both talented, man. It's cool that the uh, they're coming out of AMU too. Yeah, that's where. Well, here's here's how AMU works. Basically, you go, they give you all your ammo, <laughs> you shoot like a thousand, two thousand rounds a day, and then you leave AMU and you have this huge background of shooting tons of bullets. Hence, the reason why a lot of the best shooters are from AMU is you go in, you shoot a million rounds, like literally a million rounds, and then you come out and you're awesome. So. Yep. Or you stay well, uh, and we, keep shooting. At our gunsmithing rounds. school, our gunsmithing school, I produced a couple of gunsmiths for their uh, program, and uh, cool. so there were some insiders there and stuff like that. Plus, the the fact that the AMU has their own gunsmithing department is pretty cool because they can have some pretty nice stuff made for them, um, yeah. you know, government funded and everything. And of course, the you know the government has a large pocketbook for that kind of stuff and uh, and a surplus of ammunition sitting around. So. Uh, um, they probably just take it from the post office or the Department of Homeland Security and uh, and you know send it over to those guys for them to shoot. But uh, um, it's cool because like one of our shotgun instructors was telling us that they weren't even allowed to shoot with sights on their shotguns until they were able to shoot like a hundred percent with just wow. aiming the gun, like just the tube. Like they had to be purely intuitive, no sights yeah. at all on. Like I th- I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Uh, what he said, but he said, but you're but you're either shooting. Like- but just so it would be totally intuitive just to shoot no sights and a lot of pro shotgun shooters are the same way though they say that uh you know for clays and skeet that they don't they don't use the bead because the beads if you're looking at the bead you're already too far behind like you know where you're supposed to be on the on the clay and stuff like that but i'm not a pro shotgun shooter so i don't really have any opinion on that but i definitely know some pistol shooters that shoot without using sights and can do pretty amazing i never use sights um, they're too slow and stupid you just hold it sideways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Upside down, actually. Hey, Jordan, have you started? Jordan, have you started doing shotgun stuff? Um, I've done a little bit, not too much, because I need to get one, and I'm still trying to contemplate which one I want to get. From Are you waiting to get a, a free one using your Instagram no. fame? No, that's not. You need that new Beretta, man. <laughs> yeah, I've been either the um the Beretta or the uh, I kind of want a cheaper one, so I was thinking about the Stoger M3000. The three gun, which um, is like a Beretta knockoff, right? I don't know. It's the I think it's the Benelli knockoff, or like the closest one to it. Well, it's like six fifty. The Benelli. Six fifty? Yeah. Yeah, that is cheap. I was thinking a grand. You said cheap shotgun. I was thinking like a thousand bucks. Well, you can get, but yeah, yeah, a thousand bucks you can get that new Beretta, and that thing's faster. It's like thirty percent faster than the M2. Really. It's fast. The new uh, Oztech shotgun looks like something out of Starship Troopers. That thing's weird. I kind of want one. <laughs> <laughs> Have is you been S- shotgun a, I still want SBF? the Pry rotating one, but uh, I don't know. Yes, the six shot. One did badly. You know, you should probably like get that. Cried, it teases us with a shot show and they never release it. Aren't they releasing it? I thought they were. Finally. <laughs> Yeah, just how Salient's finally releasing pistols to customers that have paid for it. And Salient finally has sight. I say fighting words, meaning fighting words to some people, not me. <laughs> what, the blue? Are you talking about the blue? Yeah, that. I know they shipped some paid. recently. Oh, did they really? Because I know some people had been, paid deposits no. on those things like years ago and it's like nice. Jesus just it's a Timberwolf frame just freaking make a bass or brass butt plate for it and paint it and stipple it really shitty and then put paint your slide on it and there you go like why, why is it so hard like I don't know why this is thinking. yeah I mean you got Michael but so I heard this from an insider in the industry um, you know because I'm so in touch with everything going on you know 
And um, that was that was sarcasm. But for real, uh, Michael Bay owns part or some stock in uh, Alien, and he uh, I believe it. And he uh, that's why they were in Salient was in that new Thirteen Hours and and, uh, and uh, they were also in Transformers. All of is because he his well, his nephew is a, an owner in Salient, so that's how they're connected. But uh. It's it's kind of cool, so I guess for them. But uh, good, yeah. they definitely don't have a problem making the guns for the movies. It's just making guns for the customers, I guess, is the problem. Um, Wonder how many guns but, uh, they have on set that the armorer has. It's probably actually not that many. <laughs> it's probably only like no. half a dozen rifles and like half a dozen pistols, and that's it. Yeah, you. So they were they were only using one salient rifle on the movie, where that weird muzzle device thing that they worked up, and then uh, there was that one salient Glock that he had in the very first scene where he pulls out and shoves in that dude's face. Um, and then I think John Wick had a, uh, but that, that wasn't a, uh, a film. I know salient's connected in Hollywood anyways, but uh, I don't think that was directed by a, um, yeah, someone else. What's his name? But, uh, yeah, but they had a salient Glock. The, the um, protagonist had a salient Glock in that. And, I can't wait for John Wick too. So, I'm excited. The video of Keanu training with Tyrone Tactical was awesome. I love the gunfighting scenes of Don Wick, though, with the uh, compensated P-30s, man. I, like, I looked into getting one of those. Just, <laughs> just because? Is, well, so I did research. That compensator isn't available uh, for the P-30. I looked all over, and they don't make one. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to get one. I was like, that. I'll get one and shoot it in videos, make a holster. And do like some John Wick videos shooting a compensated P30 right. all over and couldn't ever find the comp. So. Hey, Lucas, you got a hey. assassin's class. What? You got a uh, a question, Lucas? You got a question on here, uh, Lucas? What is your current lead time for a good inside the waistband? It's on our website. No. Um. Well. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> so our lead advertised lead time is three to seven weeks. It depends what gun you have. Some are like two, some are like three, some are four. I mean, if you've got a FN 5.7, that could be a couple weeks. If you've got a weird, even weirder gun, it could be like three. But a regular inside the There's so many different variables um, with guns and colors and everything. Yeah. Well, the color doesn't make a difference. It's just what mold and which model of holster. So it just, it depends what you have. Gotcha. Or if you're left-handed. If you're left-handed... Yeah, never mind. It's always going to be longer. It seems like just about everyone is making their own variation of the sidecar nowadays. This is true. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just saw another company ripping you guys off, uh, and I thought it was pretty funny, and I commented on their on their post. And, uh, <laughs> they, oh, those, those people hate out. it. Those people hate it when they get comments from people. They're like, it's not the same. And, uh, yeah, so it's like, look, it's not original. Like, like you, you're the... I mean, Jesus, you perfected it. Like, that's why everybody wants a piece of the pie, you know? You, yeah. you just came out perfect, and that was your golden ticket. Like, for some for some reason, it just, it's awesome. But, um, but yeah, it was funny. I can't remember what company it is, and I, I, I wouldn't put them on blast anyways. But they, uh, yeah, they posted one, and it was it's like, like... My, I saw my buddy post. He's like, isn't that just a sidecar ripoff? And I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, that's a freaking sidecar ripoff. I was like, you know, they're just trying to get a piece of the pie. I was like... I just go to the man directly. Why, why fuck around with this shit? Like, yeah, David, what would you know about spending time on perfecting something and then having someone else rip it off? Oh my god. <laughs> Don't even get me started. He knows like, everything. I came up with a stupid pattern, right, that we call the brain, and Hasa Guns called it the chocolate sprinkles, you know, and this and that. We were the only people doing it. Now there's like 15 people doing some sort of hideous variation of it. It makes me sick. And like, uh,. It just drives me bananas, but whatever. I mean, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna trademark your your shooter's ledge or your 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 accelerator cuts? I'm gonna trademark my blur. Trademark I'm, gonna, I'm gonna trademark stippling. Yeah. What now? You can trademark hey, stippling. You're onto something, you. man. You're onto something. Dude, you can sue everyone. Idea. Do I'm it. I'm gonna call my lawyer. I'm gonna call my lawyer right now after this. And hey, I've been doing this thing. For about three years, where I take a soldering iron and I poke it into, into the freaking plastic guns, and that's my shit. I don't care if other people have been doing it for the last 15 years. Policies 
And <laughs> F all those other people. They're copycatters and they're lazy and I hate them. And I hate them. And you should trademark Kynex holsters. I mean, it drives me bananas. But hey, Paris Hilton was able to trademark that's hot. You know, it's like, that's it's a fucking phrase. Like, are you serious? <laughs> Uh, they tried to trademark um, React to on YouTube. Yeah, that didn't work out for them. Yeah, that for the really people that trademark pew 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 or whatever or pew pew instead of pew 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 pew. Trademark trademark pew trademark pew 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 and then just to be safe, you better go with pew 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 pew. Just to be safe, trademarking's fun. <laughs> and expensive. <laughs> you know it's expensive. We tried to trade. We're in the process of trademarking our name, and it's taken over a year. So, yeah. oh, but that's because we have uh, we're, we're cheap asses. That's why. It's a. Uh, it's not as simple as a lot of people think it is. It's just like no, it's half not. Half the stuff that the government. Patents are a super expensive one. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had a lot of people saying that we should have patented the sidecar. Uh, we could have probably done a design patent, but also what it has to do is like move a rivet, change a screw, and then it's done. So the the my main advice to someone who's looking into getting a patent on something that can be made easily, uh, like a Kydex holster, unless it's something really 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 innovative, just blast marketing so everyone knows you're the first, and then that's that. And that's what we did. Yeah. And that's what we're pretty much doing on it's most of our stuff. The community police itself. And to people tag that they yeah. off of the sidecar. I've gotten tagged when people rip off my designs, generally overseas or in the Middle East. And for the most part, I think that your followers help a lot with that. Definitely. Especially if you have a good community. And that's 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 the thing that's the most important to me is having that good community. Um, that's, what, that's what makes the gun industry cool because the community generally – is really good and is really great. Um, at least it, depending on what sect of the gun industry you're into, there's different groups and that do different things. But you know, generally, uh, they're all good people, which is good. But I'll, I'll say this: we have a suppressor holster that we're working on, and uh, it's it's kind of cool. And I'm sure a couple people are gonna make their own after we launch ours um, within a month or two. Um, but you know, it's just how it is. That's cool. So how does the um? Do you have a CNC machine in your shop? We do for all the holsters. That's awesome. Uh, That's well, expensive. we don't. We don't. It is. Uh, we don't CNC everything. Uh, those were just CNCing our Ragnarok series of holsters, our belt clips, although we're getting new ones soon that we won't have to work on. Um, our sidecars, our common sidecars, will be CNC'd in the future. Our Glock sidecars. Uh, but we're not doing everything. We still have conventional presses for, you know, other stuff. Because when you start seeing seeing holsters, you have to, uh, in your CAD software, build paths for where it cuts. And we've got – you can't see them here, but there's a wall here of guns. And so we'd have to make, like, 100 different paths in our software. So it's just not doable right now. So we're only seeing seeing certain things, uh, but it is pretty cool. We're, we're getting to, like, blade techs and G-codes level slowly, and that's uh, really cool. So – it's, we're not just a, awesome. in a garage anymore, so I mean this is like a giant garage. But what kind of what kind of CNC are you guys running? Um, it's something Maybe special. Why? It's just a, a shop bot. Um, they're not that expensive. It's we can't do metal on it, but the next one we're getting we will because we have ideas for things. Awesome stuff. But no, it's just a shop bot. Is it kind of like a CNC router then? Is that what it is? Like a... yeah, that that's that's more of what it is. But we're we're getting okay. we're gonna get a big one next time um, for other things that'll give us the option to cut things differently and also do metal because I want to do metal. We've had people ask if we're gonna do slides. The answer is probably not. Uh, there's a lot of people already doing that who do a good job, like you, David. Um, I just don't want to get into slide work, even though we'd probably get a lot of people sending slides in for optic cuts because optics is something we're sort of known for for some reason. But I just don't want to do it. Like, there's other people doing it. So. Now there's other people making sidecars, so maybe I should stop making sidecars. I don't know. <laughs> no, just give up on it. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Like, here, guys, you have the design. I'm going to go work on something else. 
No. <laughs> I need that. We'll, we'll be making the sidecar for a long time. Um, but the problem is I can't find a way to make it better. Like, we were, we were updating it every two months or months after I released it. It hasn't had an update in, like, like uh, eight months, nine months, or, or longer. Probably about a year, actually, it hasn't had an update. Although we are going to get new clips for it and a new claw, so that'll be cool. Both of those will be injection molded with our logo and stuff on them. Uh, Tread carving it out of wood. That'd be cool. Uh, uh, wait, what? Carving a holster out of wood? Did I hear that right? I'd sell that for like $3,000. It'd be the first some ever. idiot would pay for it. Yeah, so someone, someone was like, why don't you make a holster out of metal? And I was like, uh, sticking that in your pants. Metal, sharp edges, getting hot. Uh, oh, God, it hurts. It's so tactical. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh boy, I don't even want to imagine that. Uh, My gun probably gets hot enough to remind a whole holster made out of it. Jeez. Uh, I think it's probably a good time to wrap up our first episode. <laughs> Since this is the Guns, Gear, and Beer podcast, every week I'd like to have either either a gun, a piece of gear, or a beer of the week. And I think <laughs> this week's gun of the week is David's new AR-15s that he has coming out. Those are sick. What do you? Wait, whoa, 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 first, we—they're all custom built, so there's like they're all different. There's no exactly. That's why they're so good. Well, that is true. We use a so we use this is one that's in progress an SPR that we're building. So it's a three thousand dollar rifle with a, a red dot that's gonna has a cheap riser. So it's kind of odd. Um, we have the uh, POF USA uh, uh, MP3 coated uh, um, bolt carrier to match, and then. Um, Geisley Super Dynamic 3-gun trigger in there with the Battle Arms 45-degree selector and uh, a few other goodies. And then uh, it'll be suppressed uh, as well. So this is one of our, our current builds, and uh, they're definitely fun, man. We like doing ARs. We like doing high-end ARs, uh, you know, ones that the customer has, you know, a good budget and faith in us to, to build them something really nice uh, and solid uh, that's going to, you know, perform up to the standards, you know, that we want and uh, the customer wants. And, uh, um Normally, uh, we bed the barrels as well and stuff like that. There's a lot of cool little accurizing tr tricks that we can uh, do to these things that kind of make them worthwhile. And um, uh, Rick, the guy that uh, uh, our vice president and my partner here, uh, he built lots and lots of rifles in the Army. Um, so he has that experience as well, um, which is pretty cool. So we definitely... Uh, it's kind of something we're hoping to do more of. Uh, you know, we like doing them, and we like, you know, putting out high-quality rifles. Uh, the last one we put out was a big success, and uh, um, the client really is really happy with it. So, um, hoping to do more of them awesome. in the future. <laughs> awesome.